so sorry. I'm going to say right now, the research stops here. Okay? So for episode 7 through 10, a bitch is not researching no mo Because it is evident to me that P-Valley's <laughs> very dedicated, loyal, um, sometimes come out of their mind fans are going to ruin the show for me and I refuse to have people ruin the show for me and I refuse to ruin it for y'all. I know that some people really love spoilers. You know what I'm saying? I've never been one of those people. The only time I love a spoiler is when I'm not going to watch whatever it is. So I could just get my little cliff notes, equivalent of cliff notes. Um, But I'm not going to have these fans ruining my fucking show. And I'm not going to do that to y'all. Because y'all are obviously supporters of the show. So I'm not going to do that. Um, There's a small, I think I might do a P-Valley spoilers, another spoilers episode. But I could tell y'all right now, if I do do another spoilers episode, it's going to be straight up bullshit. Okay? Um, it's not going to be like legit spoilers. And I will get into my spoilers when I cover episode six. Because y'all know what I'm talking about. I put out an episode, this last episode, talking about um, Big T gets shot. So anyways... Let me try to dive in. Thank y'all for hanging with me. I just have to say, every single podcast I I listen to, just generally speaking, it's not even a podcast. Every show, every, you know, piece of art, there are going to be hits and miss hits and misses, right? So, I just want to say up top, thank you for listening because I know like I'm bound to have some episodes that just work a lot better than others so I appreciate you guys hanging there through the good and the bad even though like I said I'm gonna be re I'm gonna be um reenacting when big bone meets diamond so um yeah definitely I'm gonna drop that shit next week since there's no new episode um this Sunday So this week I'm going to do my recaps for episode five and six. Next week I'm going to do a reenactment of Big Bone Meeting Diamond. (laughs) And I, I just am excited to hear what the fuck. Because in case you haven't figured it out, I'm not from, for the million times, I'm, I'm not from the South. And what happens when you ain't from the South is you really take your accent way too far when you try to, like, sound like them. So... Um, yeah, I'm excited to see what happens with that reenactment. Anyways, so episode five gives us, gives us the backstory of Keyshawn and we are gifted by Uncle Clifford's narration. And it's like, I didn't really notice how smooth, um, Uncle Clifford's voice was. It's just so perfect. All right, the episode begins in the ATL where Keyshawn is seen getting ready backstage at the Legends Ball and Rome comes up to her and tells her she might get her own 
lace front wig line and he picks out a platinum blonde wig for her puts it on her head says they gotta extend the tour and he already asked her justin bieber for permission which is a true insult to justin bieber and then jocelyn comes through and big teak is just like a little kid in a candy store um he is so excited and i don't know who the other strippers are but shout out to those legends and then we are brought back to Keyshawn being in high school where a football player who is darker than Keyshawn asks her for her number. When she ignores him, he tells her, quote, yo ass, best get out the sun. You already looking like a burnt chicken nugget. Full stop. Okay, so before I get to the colorism, every single woman... I feel like can I can see herself in that scene where a guy hits on you and you turn him down and then you are insulted as a result. And this is coming from the same person who was trying to date you or trying to have sex with you. You tell them no, their ego is bruised or in Keyshawn's case, you ignore them. Then you're insulted. So we as women, we always got to figure out how we can get out of situations where a guy is hitting on us. Whether we want to say we're in a relationship, um, we're a lesbian, whatever it is. You know what I mean? We have to come up with something because these men, some of these men, they don't know how to take it. Now let's get to the colorism part. How dare you, as a darker skinned man than Keyshawn comment on her skin tone this is truly the equivalent of a fat person telling a thin person that the thin person needs to lose weight but this is how colorism is when people are so um with colorism they insult dark people to the point that they're not even recognizing that they're insulting they own damn self when they're darker than the person that they're calling dark. And why is it okay for a man to be midnight, but a woman is not supposed to be dark? And you was just hitting on her and you're telling her to get out the sun. You're trying to give her a fucking complex. And colorism, this show is about black people, but it is incredibly prevalent in the Indian community in India, in Asian communities, and it just blows my mind that on a global scale, everyone is supposed to be one thing. Everyone is supposed to be light-skinned. Makes no fucking sense to me. In India, if you're dark, that means that you're poor. That means that you've done a lot of labor and been out in the sun to have your dark skin. I've talked to people who have been in China and they had co-workers who are Chinese, obviously they're American, and they talked to me about how not only would the women wear these really big hats to protect themselves from the sun, but the women, every time they were outside, they would literally be running from building to building trying to get in some shade. And so this is a global problem 
But as far as within the African American community, we always we already know that this is from slavery, right? And how light skinned black people who were just the slave owners' children, essentially, how they were treated better than the dark skinned um, black people when it came to the plantations and all that. But you see this though within our community. You see, the, like, black people, like, as a black person, you really should never be talking about somebody's skin tone being too dark or even too light. I mean, but if you're gonna, if I'm gonna pick one, just, you shouldn't be talking about the too dark shit, right? Because nobody is here choosing their own skin tone. And this is a, a someone who's darker than Keyshawn, who's calling Keyshawn out for being darker. And it is the white boy, Derek, who sticks up for her? And this is true to life in many ways. It's like your own people will let you down every single fucking day in many different situations. And they thought it was funny and cute. That other football player was like, oh, the white boy's getting mad. And it's like, how sad is it that the white guy thinks it's a problem that the black guy is being racist to the black woman? I just, oh, P-Valley, thank you. Thank you so much for bringing colorism into the beginning of this episode and having a white person be like, I don't see what the big fucking problem is with uh, with this this beautiful woman's skin tone, essentially, because honestly, that's what happens. And I'm going off on the tangent now, which is fine, because I knew that I would, because I have a lot to say about this. Y'all ever notice, do you ever fucking notice that when you see an interracial couple, particularly um, a black man with a white woman, that the black man is always midnight, the black man is always very dark skin? Do you, do you notice that shit? Because that's, that's what the fuck happens. And you see it sometimes with the black women. And guess what? The... Girl from Queen and Slim, I I said her name wrong, Josie, Jody, whatever, in an earlier episode. She's a prime example of someone who is very dark and she is with a white man. And there are so many examples. I don't really know. There's there's her. There's um, Aja Naomi King from How to Get Away with Murder. Her husband's white. Um... Gabby Sidibe, her fiance is white. She's a very bad example for many reasons, but I already said it. I'm not going to edit this shit. Um, and even if you look at Kanye West, he's also very dark. Um, but basically, when you see a black man with a white woman, or in some cases, a black woman with a white man those black women I I I'm sorry I said Gabby because she I'm I'm not gonna comment I'm not gonna comment some people know why I'm not gonna comment I'm not gonna do it right now um so like I'm just gonna say I'm I'm excluding her because she's a a very special case um (laughs) anyways but if you look at like the queen and slim girl um and a lot of other interracial couples the black guys weren't checking for them the black guys were like this bitch is way too dark she's too dark you really think 
that the dark-skinned black women have a long line of black men waiting to date them? Is that what you think? Because you would think that these black, these dark-skinned black women, if anything, they were they would be able to pull dark-skinned black men because they would have that in common. But absolutely not. <coughs> Excuse me. What you're gonna see more is you're gonna see more of the Serena Williams with a white man. That's what the fuck you gonna see because the black men they're they're staying away. They're keeping away. They don't want they don't want nobody dark. And, um, and with the black men, a lot of them just have this complex and we have to call like a fucking spade a spade. Oh, I was so disappointed when Serena Williams had the audacity to say love is love. (laughs) She literally had the audacity to say that in an interview, like talking about her, he might've been her fiance at the time. And it's like, bitch, love is never love when you're... I'm not talking about Serena. Love is never love when someone exclusively dates outside their race. That is not what love is. That is racist. That is prejudice. That is a superiority and an inferiority complex, period. Period. That's not love. You want to know how many Asian women I know who would slit their wrists before they dated an Asian man? And you, you do not come to me and say love is love when you will only date outside your race. Don't do it. Don't insult my intelligence. I'm not, I, don't. So it's like the fact that Keyshawn is mocked because she's black. She's mocked by a black man who's darker than her, which is wild. And it's the white man, it's the white person who, like, isn't looking at skin tone the way that a black, a dark black person who probably wishes they were fair skin is looking. It's crazy. And you just sitting back, it's like, like every, the um, recaps I saw when people would, would address this scene, they'd always, they'd mention how this man is darker than Keyshawn. <laughs> oh my gosh. But that's, the reality, right? It's wild. So wild. Lord have mercy. And it's like, and you don't see this amongst white people. White people don't talk about pale white people. White people don't talk about tan white people. The only shit white people love to do is, um, is make fun of redheads. That's it. That's their colorism. (laughs) the hair that comes out your head that you could die that's their colorism but like it's crazy so thank you p valley i really appreciate this because like honestly there could never be too much coverage when it comes to colorism because it is rampant it is disgusting it is the foundation of the goddamn entertainment industry and also that's why I fucking love P-Valley. P-Valley highlights dark-skinned black women. It's like pretty much every woman on the cast is dark-skinned. Other than Autumn, Haley, Lakeisha, Savage, Colton. You know what I'm saying? Like everybody on P-Valley except for Autumn and Whisper. It has dark skin. You don't see that shit. You don't see somebody like Farah with the skin tone of Farah 
being a sexy wife, getting that role. You don't see that shit. You don't see it. And I, I come to be Valley and I'm like, wow, there's range here. Right. And which is what shows used to represent more. You used to see a lot of range on shows in the past before today. It's like everybody has to be a light bright. So I think I am. <laughs> I think I'm done talking about that scene in colorism. Like I can't do it. Like it's a lot. It makes me so, so wildly passionately angry and upset I wasn't raised that way and it's just it's really really sad and unfortunate so um Derek he tells them to leave her alone he gets spit on and then Derek goes and he basically is hitting this um football player like he's trying to kill him all up in the face Um, and then he still takes care of the other people who try to, the two other players who try to jump in and it just shows you his temper. And honestly, like, yeah, I appreciate you defending my honor, but, um, if you're gonna react like that, I don't want to date you. Like that was, it was a little, it was too much. The black players are suspended. Derek's white ass. He's not punished. Um, so then we get back to Keyshawn's house where her stepmom, who is biracial, says that she's raising two girls. And Keyshawn is like, no, it's three. Um, when Keyshawn burns um, Laronica's hair, the stepmom says it's yellow-waisted. And how... Um, Laronica, she doesn't need a weave like you. And it's like, look at what's happening in our community. Why are you talking to the darker skinned girl, girl, teenager, devaluing her? Why are you doing that? As if she don't know what her skin tone is when she's surrounded by three girls who are fair, have lighter skin than she does. That's how you're going to talk to her and give her a complex and make her feel bad. Um, let's see here. So we see why Keyshawn is so color struck. Why she, you know, makes the comments that she makes thus far on the show when it came to Corbin. Um, talking about how he's so light and he can't pass, which is bullshit. I think I definitely think Corbin could pass put that motherfucker you shave his head and you bleach his hair or you shave his head just alone and I'm I'm not thinking the first thing I'm thinking when I see him is not that he's black but um we see why Keyshawn is so obsessed and we we see why she might think it's great to go ahead and and have kids with a white man so um we see back at the high school that everybody wants to be with with Alicia um Keyshawn's sister because she's light-skinned very true to life right so Keyshawn is actually the better looking one but because her skin tone isn't as bright as they want it to be and in the south I hear that they are horribly obsessed with skin tone Alicia is the one who sought after so then we see that Keyshawn 
is walking home from school in the rain. And it was another, it was somebody on YouTube who said it and I didn't even think about it. <laughs> Sorry, I love y'all. Even though I don't deserve it. <laughs> um, with all this coughing. Somebody was like, okay, so Kishan is walking where her sister's at. So you telling me that the sisters are getting a ride because what, they're fair skin or because they're the mom's daughter? But Keyshawn, she just, she's left out in the cold. What the fuck? I didn't even think about that. Like, why is Keyshawn walking and her sisters ain't walking? They, they stay in the same house. So then Derek, you know, of course he pulls up to her. And he gives her a ride. They go to a diner where we get to see Patrice. Woodbine as a waitress. And Patrice, I'm telling you this Patrice bitch. Honestly, like, this woman, she don't age at all, and it's disturbing. Because I know I ain't gonna look like Patrice when I'm her age. So, shout out to them jeans. Um, so then at the diner, Derek tells Keyshawn that he fell, and that's why he has a bruise on his face. Um, and then back at Keyshawn's house, she mouths off to the stepmom, calls her a homewrecker. They get in a fight. Keyshawn calls her a bitch. They throw things at each other, and I'm just like, why is Keyshawn so turned up? I mean, I don't know. It's like Keyshawn's living arrangements are, it, it's really sad, and then you don't see her father in the picture. She always has to deal with this um, very color-struck, so to speak, woman who is just annoys the shit out of her. So then we are um, back in the ATL with Jocelyn. Or sorry, um, Keyshawn's dad is thirsty for Alicia. He it like gets excited when he kind of gives her this half hug. Then he puts his arm around her and he kisses her, and Alicia don't like it. And someone calls CPS. Do it now. <coughs> I mean, Alicia's going to the dance with another boy, her age. And you're trying to rub up all on her like this and like nobody's saying anything. What the fuck is going on here? Oh my God. All right. So then Derek, while um, Kishan has to take photos of her sisters and their dates so that the dad can race in and stand next to Alicia. Derek shows up at the house with a dress and shoes for Kishan. Because they got to go to the white um, mistletoe dance. And in the South, they always had segregated dances. Always. <coughs> and they've taken that away in recent years. And I don't know. Honestly, it sounds fun to me, to be honest. Like, I think I would love to go to the all-black dance. And the white people probably, like, think about it. Y'all could play different types of music, okay, at each goddamn function. So... You know, it's fucked up, but maybe I'd want to opt in. Maybe I want to go to more events where I could opt in and be like black folks only. You know what I'm saying? Or lesbians only. <laughs> Gay men only. Nobody else. All right. So um, the black dance obviously looks like it's more fun than the white dance. And then Derek's mom did not want him to kiss Keyshawn. Keyshawn was a little too comfortable around all them white people. She forgot, like, where she was, that she's in the South. They don't want to see that interracial shit. Um, so then Derek, he has a new bruise on his, excuse me, on his face. 
when they're at the dance and then he tells Keyshawn that his dad gave it to him. Another red flag. Um, this is where I exit stage left. So for me, I always look at the relationship um, that somebody I'm dating or trying to talk to that they have with their parents and their family. So if I meet someone who's like, oh, my daddy beats on me or he was beating on me or he did this, he did that, we're done. That's the last conversation we are having because I've talked to guys like that where they're like, my dad, oh, no, I'm sorry, I don't feel safe. I don't know what you're going to bring to the table because of your residual trauma and your PTSD, and I don't know what this MFR is going to bring to me. You know what I'm saying? Like, I actually talked to a guy one time who told me how his dad used to sleep with his sister, and I'm going to use the phrase sleep with because it's a little gentler than what we know actually was happening. That was the very last conversation we had, a child, okay? Because <laughs> I was like, okay, I don't want, I don't feel safe being in a room with somebody who was sleeping with his daughter for for X amount of years. I don't want to meet him, don't need to be in that vicinity. And it's like, it's all related. If somebody's um, dad is beating on them or there's any type of abuse or like they're estranged because of... Um, just a really hard upbringing, that person has issues, especially if that person hasn't gone to therapy. That person has issues and that, those issues, okay, those issues have not been he healed. They've not been cured. They have not been addressed. So guess who's going to get the brunt of it? Yo ass if you date those people. And it's like Keyshawn already saw a glimpse of his fucking temper on the freaking, on the um, football field. So then, um, I love Uncle Clifford's narration. He goes, she goes, they found lust that felt like a sliver of love. That was so beautiful. So then Derek tells Kishan that he's a virgin and Kishan gets naked and she gets on top of him. Kishan was being very fast. Kishan, I think, felt like this is her opportunity to feel love and get something. Um, Kishan, bitch, it's called the morning after pill. Okay. Um, Go ahead and get you one of them. So then um, when Keyshawn sneaks home, her stepmom says that she should be careful becoming a man's Barbie doll because he'll always find another one to buy. So we, and something in P-Valley that we see that's so prevalent on this show from the beginning of the series until now is these married couples are in shambles. They are dysfunctional. And we just, we have, we don't have a single solid married couple up on this show. And it's just like, it's interesting to me, right? Like, look at um, Andre and his wife. Look at what's going on with them. Then you look at, um, whatchamacallit, some other motherfucking couples. <laughs> some other couples I can't think of right now. But I'm just saying, I'm thinking about Andre. Okay, there we go. There we go, dumb bitch. Okay, Coach and Farah. Okay, so you got Andre and um, Brittany. You got Coach and Farah. You got um, Keyshawn's dad and his wife. Everybody is fucked up in, the, in their marriage on this show. Every single one of them. It's fascinating. I appreciate it. Because realistically, obviously, a lot of people out here 
they are not happy. Their marriages are just very, very toxic. So back at the hotel, Teak is upset with Rome for bragging about all that he does for them. And it just shows from the moment we meet Teak, he's always popping off. He's always upset about something. He just doesn't know how to manage his emotions at all. And Wody tells Keyshawn that he likes the hair that grows out of her head. And it was really sweet of him. So then flashback to high school times, Derek, he's all excited to show Keyshawn some of the baby gifts that they got for their, you know, little um, butt in the oven. And then Keyshawn is complaining about it, saying that the shit is ugly. And her dad is the one who put a down payment on their place. And then Derek he doesn't like the truth he's allergic to it so then he calls her a backwoods bitch and says that his family kicked him out and that she trapped him and then he starts choking her you know pregnancy eight month pregnancy be damned he chokes her to you know just exert that control over her and it's he just has problems with his ego he doesn't want to hear that yeah she's at walgreens actually paying for everything and the problem with Derek and Keyshawn together as a couple so Derek he dropped out of college and remember he told Keyshawn that he was getting a scholarship Derek's family disowned him Derek's family that has very deep pockets and very big connections in the town has cut him off that wasn't worth it. It wasn't worth it for the one girl that he had sex with one night after a, a dance. He loses all of his family. He loses all of his resources. That's a very good reason to be upset that you're with the person that you're with who just got pregnant basically on the first try. So I understand why he's upset. And, and guess what? Obviously, Derek has issues. He's going to be in on anyone that he's with. But the problem is, Derek lost way too much to be with Keyshawn. So he's always going to resent her and be upset with her. They shouldn't be together. Nobody should have to lose their fucking family just to be with somebody. It's not worth it. Especially if you're, you're bringing children into the world and you have no resources because your family is done with you. It's really, really sad, and it's unfortunate. And, um, you know, people, some fans keep saying that they think that his family is a reason why he doesn't get all his jobs. And I hope P-Valley possibly explains that to us. But the reason why I don't necessarily agree with that theory that um, Derek's family is blocking his bag is because in season one, Derek did have a job for, like, two episodes. <laughs> so somebody hired him. Um, so then we flash back to present day, or sorry, we go back to present day and we see that, um, Rome tells Keyshawn that her wig deal didn't fall through or didn't go through, but they could do stripper heels and Keyshawn is so smart. She's like, stripper heels are too niche. Like everybody wears a wig and, um, that would have been better. He's like, I'm sorry. And so he really basically puts Keyshawn in a very powerless position where she has to be codependent on him for all his deals and he could really give and take whatever he wants. Get her excited, make her sad, make her feel like she owes him, make her feel like she really should break him off because 
he's the one who's bringing her all this business. Like, she's in a position where she just does, she naturally can feel indebted to him because he's setting her up in that way. How about you don't tell me about no motherfucking wig deal until I sign on the dotted line, then you can tell me about the wig deal. But he came to her first, and so then when he tells her it's canceled, then, you know, it just makes her feel very reliant upon him and all of his connections in a way that he obviously exploits, needless to say. So then later we see that Rome has his robe open and his dick out. I never noticed that his dick was out. It was what I read in the comments, and then when I watched it again, I saw his dick out, and that definitely was not. I don't think that was his dick. It looks super fake to me, but whatever. He wanted her to see it. So, um, Keyshawn, she tells him, you know, how dancing is a symbolic gesture. Rome not trying to hear that. He rips that titty right out, you know, as Keyshawn tells Wody, he tried to fuck me. So, so then Keyshawn, she fights for her life. She does a great job at it. And it's like, it's weird, right? As a female, when you watch them scenes, I'm just like, hmm, what would I do if a big man is on top of me trying to rape me? I mean, I we all hope we could, you know, escape like Keyshawn, and she did a great job. She, t- her flight or fight mode served her well. She didn't freeze, which is what often happens. So then Keyshawn, she runs to Wody's room in the sequence. Um, it's falling off of her floss as she's running, and I loved it. That was, scene was, oh my God. We have her tit out, and it's not sexual, given what she just escaped. And then the the pieces of her outfit are falling to the floor. It was so beautifully shot, so powerful. You just, uh, thank you, P-Valley, for how you shoot these things. It was incredible. I loved it. Loved it so, so much. Um, so then, <coughs> Wody covers her up, and she tells him that, you know, Rome tried to fuck her, and, you know, I'm I'm okay with that. Not everybody wants to say the word rape, I guess, when that happens. Um, So anyways, we get to flashbacks of when Keyshawn, after Derek tries to, or after Derek chokes her out, she goes to her stepmom's house, and the stepmom turns her away with the leash in the background. She's like, Keyshawn, I can't have you around here like this. And, And she's like, but what about my dad? She's like, your daddy said, and I'm just like... I mean, how sad, how sad. I mean, Keyshawn had all the smoke for her stepmom when she was calling her a homewrecker, calling her a bitch, and then outside in the rain, she just listens. I would have pushed through that door and I would have told my dad, you know what, Derek beat me, or sorry, Derek choked me. I would have told him something, but Keyshawn just listened and it was so, so fucking sad. So then um, Keyshawn goes back to Derek. He apologizes because they always got to apologize. And then he tells her that he won't let it happen again. And he's going to be better than his dad. Sure. Um, Keyshawn doesn't look convinced when Derek is crying to her. And she just says, okay, baby. Um, So then we fast forward to now. And Keyshawn, of course, 
she's back at home. She had to get away from Rome and and obviously she can't really keep touring with Rome as her manager. Um, so she's back at the house. Eric is just like, you're home early. <laughs> like he just, he doesn't seem as excited as he should seem to see her. And then in this episode, I love P-Valley for these details. I really, really do. We find out that Derek <coughs> is a master of the culinary arts and a Michelin star restaurant chef because he gives Keyshawn a hot dog, a dry hot dog and goes, here you go, baby. The man of our dreams. <laughs> P-Valley, why y'all had Derek giving Keyshawn a motherfucking hot dog? Like it's a meal. Like, <laughs> this man is so useless. He ain't, go, he ain't got no job. And the meals that he, he puts together is a hot dog. Oh my God. <laughs> Keyshawn, whoo, you are winning. So um, Keyshawn notices that her son is acting scared and hiding from her. She takes him to the doctor and her son Jaden's elbow is dislocated. His back is covered up in bruises. Everybody is like, why didn't they call? The doctors call CPS. I don't know. I don't know. You know what I mean? I'm sure they had their reasons. Maybe just, you know, the child is, is black, is half, half black, and they're like, we good, we don't need to report this, we don't give a shit. I don't know. Who knows? Um, and some people were like, oh, well, it's because of Derek's family, blah, blah, blah. I don't know why it wasn't reported, and we don't got to focus on that, because that wouldn't have made it better. You know what I'm saying? Anyhow, the cops came up in the house. CPS came up at the house, took them kids away. Um, guess whose ass is getting beat? Keyshawn. So if anything, maybe that's why they didn't call the cops because they knew that um, Derek would beat Keyshawn to a bloody pulp. So then um, Keyshawn gets back. <coughs> she gets back from the hospital. And Derek didn't want to didn't want to go with her to the hospital. Gee, I wonder why. Because Derek's always trying to tag along for everything. So then um, Keyshawn confronts Derek about beating the kids. He denies it at first. He's also a genius. Okay, he's a chef. He's a genius. <laughs> so then he finally admits to spanking them and says, you have to straighten um, a tree when it's young. Again, he's a genius, right? So then um, Derek says that he's got to get ready for a job interview Keyshawn tells him that he's not going to get the job um, and she'll keep taking care of her three kids. And then she names Jaden, the other kid, and Derek. Woo! That's when Derek had enough. He hits her. He drags her by her hair. And he puts an iron to her face in a scene that I feel none of us will forget. Again, shout out to the P-Valley writers because you put together a scene that is so disturbing and so unique and so creative. And guess what? It probably happens to some women every single day. Because when people are in a rage and they're in a real trance, they, they're not thinking clearly. 
they're going to grab any, every item, or sorry, every object is a weapon. We all know this. But the fact that he actually put that shit to her face, the fear she must have felt and her life and everything is so shitty that she's just begging for him not to to put that shit on her face. I mean, it just goes to show you, and I, I think that's kind of the true genius of the show. It goes to show you that this is what's going to happen when you're in an abusive relationship. There is no good. There's no bad, good, better, best. It's all bad. Because if your options are face or body, both of those are not good options. None of those are viable options. Wherever that iron would have touched, that scar would never, ever, ever go away. And that's what you're dealing with as an abused woman until your spouse or your partner murders you off. There is no like, okay, it's calm now. Maybe they're never going to hit me again. Like they said, no, it's always going to be from bad to worse to death, essentially. So um, let's see. And then Derek tells her that he's going to discipline his kids any way he wants to. And it's like, Derek, I thought you said that you wanted to be better than your dad. And P-Valley, I really, really appreciate. Again, if somebody's parent was beating on them, run. Don't try to save them. Don't try to, like, believe that they're going to be different because oftentimes they're not. Um, So then we see that multiple couples are fucking having an orgy in Rome's room and Wody goes in there, gives um, gives Rome fentanyl, and a lot of people are saying that people at the party and and Rome were so effed up, so messed up that they can't even. They think a lot of them won't even remember that Wody rolled up in there. I would have appreciated Wody wearing a mask um, to help hide his identity. But at the same time, with Wody being a funeral homeowner, I think, or a funeral owner of a funeral place, um, I think that he knows what the fuck, yeah, funeral home, whatever the fuck, you guys know. Just sounded weird, funeral homeowner. He knows what he's doing, so, um, or at least I think so. And then... Some people are saying that he picked up the phone when I watch um, Pico's phone. When I watched it again, I didn't see him pick up a phone, but, you know, it doesn't mean he didn't pick it up and I just didn't notice. So it was very, very funny to me seeing all the comments from fans saying that he's a real one. He's a real one. He's a real one. What? He's a real one. You shouldn't have to murder somebody for, for people to then deem you a real one. And I also agree with the commentary that Wody never killed Rome because of Keyshawn. Wody killed Rome because he was trying to protect Lil Murda. Because he was trying to protect his bag, his client. <clears throat> so, you know, I'm, I don't know, the scene with, with um, Rome dying, it was, you know, I felt it was a little sad, but that's just me. <laughs> I'm weird like that. Not saying he, he didn't have to go, but I am weird like that. And everybody now is so obsessed with Derek being killed. (coughs) 
excuse me, and it's kind of funny because when I think of P-Valley, I don't think about it as a show where people are just being murdered off and dying, but we all are now so obsessed with Derek's demise, his murder, and now that we see that Wody, um, now that we see that Wody is actually capable of murder, it makes us a little bit more hopeful, but I really think that um, Keyshawn or someone else is going to take Derek out. Hopefully, uh, we really, we, we can't, we go through a lot of trauma seeing him on our screen. So I hope that that is what happens. And with that, I will put a button on my episode five recap slash review and hopefully I will do episode six after this but I have to rewatch um and I will not be putting out episode five and six tomorrow I'm only going to be putting out episode five tomorrow even if I record them both tonight and then episode six will come out on Friday and then next week it's reenactment time all right thank you talk to you soon